I'm Alfred. And I'm Chris. It is Thursday, and this is Why Wait Till Sunday. Probably a top five midweek college football DFS show. Well, cordially, you're cordially invited to join us on week eight of the college football season. We are at least halfway through, I'd say, at this point. Um, pretty amazing. It's been a good season. We've definitely been pretty consistently good, I would say, over the last four weeks at least, Chris. Uh, how are you feeling headed into week eight? Yeah, we yeah. ever since I think we – like college has week zero – so ever since the third week of the season, I think that we've been knocking out some of our bargains. I think we've really hit ways to find value. Is it putting together an entire lineup to take down a GBP has eluded us, but I mean, I'm consistently cashing. I think you are as well. Um, you know, I, th- I think we have a lot of nice plays each week, so I feel good about where we're at and any, any plus money is good. So Absolutely. I, I like the the process and I think we're doing pretty well. Yeah. And I've been in good shape. You know, I, I sometimes, you know, these GPP winners like really come out of nowhere. I think I was looking last week, the winner of the contest I was in, which I mean, not huge stakes, like a $3 single entry, but like, you know, 25,000 entries or whatever. It was freaking Bo Nix KJ Jefferson stack. Like I, I would have never, I didn't even think about it. It was so frustrating, but I mean, sometimes you just you just got to get lucky on a, on a really off the wall stack. And even if you hit those two guys, you got to hit the rest. It's a very hard game to to take down a GPP, of course. Um, but still, I, I had a really I had a good week once again. Um, you know, when you're playing a lot of GPPs, honestly, breaking even is is pretty good when you're playing majority GPPs. I would say. Uh, you know, if you're playing cash games, you actually want to accrue every week. But if you're trying to go for that one in a million shot, if you can even break even, I think you're doing all right. No, I I agree with that. I uh, I didn't play a ton of lineups last week. I I kind of ran out of time with with work and and life in general. But the lineups that I did play, I mean, we were we were this close to cashing on a Spiller a chain. Oh, we, we, we did cash that lineup to be fair, but we, it was, it, that was the week for the tournament, man. Sometime soon, Missouri's defense is going to let up enough points for the running backs to win a GPP. Yeah. And I've said it a couple weeks now. Achain ended, ended up with two, I think, and Spiller had one. Yeah. They had over 250 yards, I think, combined and three touchdowns or something like that. Oh, so. yeah. They smash. I mean, it's just – it's automatic. If Missouri's on the slate, we're just going to be pounding the running back no matter what. Um, so I had an interesting week. My son turned four, my middle son. That was great. But due to kind of trying to get together a little party thing for him, I'm going to Vegas tomorrow. It should be excellent and very, very fun. Uh, but between all this stuff and, you know, typical work and everything, I – I have to apologize. If you're watching on YouTube, you're just going to see our faces this week. I did not have time to put together some of the graphics, although we have done our due diligence and we're ready to talk about the slate. It just doesn't have any of the bells and whistles. If you're on a podcast, 
nothing really changes for you. Um, so, you know, we might as well just kick things off. It's kind of a weak slate in terms of firepower. So we're going to be scratching and clawing to try to find some touchdowns, I think. Oh, for sure. Kick things off. Chris, talk to us about Kansas State and Texas Tech. This game has a 60.5 point total, but is only a plus, you know, plus one, minus one margin. So basically both teams projected for about 30 points. You like that, especially on this slate. Um, So I'm actually, I mean, sneakily interested in this game. Uh, I guess I just told everything about it. We'll talk about the players later. So you, why don't you introduce us to Oklahoma and Kansas? That should be a blowout. Yeah, um, I'm with you on the Kansas State-Texas Tech game. I think that's a place we'll find a lot of value this week. Yeah, Oklahoma's favored by 38 and a half here. I, I wish they honestly didn't include it on the slate because I'm not sure there's anyone on Kansas you want to play, but basically everyone on Oklahoma is in play this week. They're actually priced down more than I thought they would be. So I'm excited about being able to play Sooners players. Right. And um, it is kind of one of those things though, where these games get so out of hand. It's like, there's going to be seven touchdowns, but you know, is one guy going to score three of them? Hard to say. Cincinnati, I think is going to Annapolis to play Navy. And Navy's been just not very good all season. Um, Cincinnati has been very good all season. At this point, you know, they're trying, they're ranked second in the freaking country and uh, are looking to impress everybody and get to the playoff as a G5, first G5 team to ever do it, I believe, um, which would be pretty remarkable. I feel like this is kind of like the Oklahoma game. I mean, someone's going to score three touchdowns really hard to say who uh i mean jerome ford maybe but uh navy's not very good cincinnati's gonna roll take it easy in the second half the whole shebang i think favored by 27 39 point total navy complete opposite 11 point total so you're not wanting anyone on navy uh classic big 10 slugfest or at least used to be but this year looking like kind of a blowout michigan at northwestern chris yeah, uh, Northwestern has been bad on both sides of the ball this year, actually. Usually we get like a good defense, but Pat Fitzgerald's team really hasn't given us that this year. Michigan's favored by the 23 and a half. The total's only 51, and that's seventh on the slate, which kind of underscores how poor the slate looks. Um, I think we'll have a couple plays in Michigan that are, that are kind of interesting, but again, I think it's just another gross high spread where – one team is basically out of play for the uh, the slate. Right. And uh, correcting myself, it is at Michigan. So they should really take care of business. Next, we have Illinois at Penn State. I mean, I don't know what DraftKings obsession is with the Big Ten, but, you know, they really want us to try to figure out who's going to score, t- you know, the, the three touchdowns in this game. Uh, point total is 46. Penn State is favored by 24. So they've got a 35-point total. There's a little on Penn State I might like. Um, actually, pretty decent uh, in terms of passing offense, and and Illinois is kind of crappy all over their defense. That you know they're just not very good, and they're horrible on offense against a good Penn State defense. So I don't think we want any Illini members. Uh, but Penn State could be something we're looking at with, especially with a 35 point total. They're going to score some points. Uh, but yep. like Michigan, like Michigan, I don't think they're it's as drastic as Michigan. 
but uh, you know, they can put up a bunch of points and not really have fantasy goodness, which is, you know, shocking. I don't know. The big 10 is really specializes in that sort of thing. Um, Wake Forest heading to army, which is a weird game. Uh, you know, a, a power five team heading to army. I actually looked back. Army hasn't hosted a power five team uh, in, in years. I mean, this is a really unique oh. thing. Uh, and Wake Forest going to play Army. What do you think about this game? So I'm surprised I hadn't heard that. That's a that's a pretty interesting stat. But it, I mean, it makes sense. Um, I don't know what I think about this game. Army runs that triple option. Wake has been better than advertised this year. I mean, the total's 52 and a half, which is basically middle of the slate. But neither of these teams are in the top half in terms of implied team totals so this is probably one of those ugly games that you know i think wake scores via sam hartman in the passing game and then we see a little bit of army try to eke it out in the run game but this is just kind of going to be a gross game i think to be to be honest i this is not one that i have on my uh my list to watch this weekend and you know i really don't like uh playing anyone against a service academy at the service academy, uh, whether it's Army or uh, Navy or Air Force, because if you'll notice, I mean, opponent plays run is like second lowest in the entire country for Army and is uh, 12th lowest in the entire country for Navy. Because they control the ball on offense so much running that triple option, you don't have a lot of plays to be run against. And so there's just not, I mean, these games are just not really fantasy friendly uh, at all. So, then we have another Big Ten matchup, Wisconsin and Purdue. Again, all the Big Ten is the same thing. Good defense, crappy offense, except for Ohio State. Other than that, it's all good defense, bad offense, not fantasy friendly. Wisconsin's offense is truly one of the worst in the entire country, um, especially the passing game is all ranked near the absolute bottom 10 in the country and all metrics that we look at for passing game, pass yards, yards per attempt, explosive pass rate just atrocious their run game is kind of coming on especially with braylon allen uh getting some more run he's an interesting player but purdue is excellent against the run um their explosive rush rate is probably their worst feature and it's 28th in the country so you know still top 30 purdue's offense is pretty bad David Bell, that's it, maybe, if you want to play David Bell, but it's Wisconsin's defense. So I, I just, again, why are they doing this to us? Uh, let's head to the Big 12. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, talk to me. Another sub-50 total, right? We're only at 47 points here. Iowa State is favored by seven. I think that's fair. This is going to be a defensive slugfest. Oklahoma State has impressed on defense. They just limited Texas to only 24 points. Iowa State has been really good this year really good this year to be to be honest I, I i they've lost some close games i think they're probably better than their record indicates so this is just a, gonna be another defensive slugfest which is not what you necessarily think when you think the uh big big 12 football but i think this is a game that we it's only 47 i mean i would be surprised if they even hit 47 so not a ton of value to be had here from a dfs perspective but it's going to be one of those hard-nosed football guy football games. Uh, get your hand in the dirt, hat on a hat. You love to see it. Okay, so then we have the obvious the obvious stack, uh, which is Ole Miss-LSU. And 
you know, it's so obvious that like if you're playing tournaments, you may actually want to shy away just because if it somehow doesn't go off, you know, you're going to have a leg up on the competition. Everybody is going to be, you know, stacking this game. This is not news. You're not listening to this podcast to know who Ole Miss and LSU is the highest total on the slate to 76. Both teams favored for over 30 points. Ole Miss for 42 and LSU for 33. Uh, you know, what can you say? They're both pretty good offenses. Ole Miss, obviously excellent on offense. LSU, not bad. And both defenses suck. So it's just, it's everything you want for fantasy. The only thing is, you know, fading it a little bit and then hoping that somehow it doesn't go crazy. And the LSU side, I feel like maybe could disappoint. And the Ole Miss offense. Okay, let's just talk about this for a minute. You know, we, we have... um to get going on the rest of it, but the Ole Miss offense has not been what we thought. Like it's, it hasn't been as good as we thought. Uh, Matt Crow has basically run all over people. He's running the ball like freaking, you know, Ron Dane over here, carrying the ball 30 times in the game or whatever he did last week. The passing offense hasn't been what it was last year, not recently. So I don't know if there's a narrative here, that you could envision this game doesn't go off. And then if you're not playing it, you're saving money and able to, you know, get a leg up on the competition. What do you think this game is going to decide a lot of what we do here? Yeah. It, a lot of it depends on if Matt Corral plays pretty much. Yeah. He may not even play. If if he doesn't play, what what do we do? I, I think we'll talk through a couple scenarios with this game. Um, you know, later on, but both these defenses are not very good. So the, the total of 76 makes a lot of sense. What do we do from a DFS perspective? I think is going to be a interesting question given, I think there'll be some hesitancy maybe to play some players in this game, knowing that Corral's going to be out. So we'll, we'll, that'll definitely be in part of our uh, player discussion. Yeah. All right. Let's head out to the Pac-12. Um, pretty big game in terms of, I think, uh, some ramifications in within the conference. UCLA and Oregon. What do you think about this? This is an interesting game because I think both teams have kind of been really good and been really bad at points this year. So, or, I mean, Oregon's been okay at, at times. They almost lost to Fresno. They lost to Stanford. But if they want to win the Pac-12, they have to shape up. UCLA has had a couple tough losses this year. I, I, I'm not honestly really sure what to think of this UC, either team, to be on, to totally to be totally honest. But the total is 16 and a half, which means that Vegas thinks points are going to be scored here. Uh, UCLA is favored. So there's a couple options in this game that I feel kind of interested in from a DFS perspective, but mostly I, I just think this could be a game that impacts Pac-12 and potentially CFB playoff standings. And that, that's kind of my main interest, but you know, there's, there's a player too. I think that we'll, we'll, uh, we'll say something about here, but this is more of a football game perspective. <laughs> um, all right. And then we head over back to the East coast Pitt and Clemson which finds us uh, looking at Clemson as a dog here on the road. Uh, Three-point dog to Pitt. 
which is, um, you know, not something that anybody foresaw heading into the year. College football has delivered us quite a surprise, but it's looking like a pretty low point total. We know both defenses are pretty good and Pitt's offense has been excellent, but, uh, you know, Clemson's defense still good. It's their offense. It's just awful. Uh, like really awful, like bottom, like bottom of the NCAA bad. I mean, it's just, it's not underperforming. It's bad no matter how you slice it. Uh, not just bad for Clinton, but just bad, bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're just looking at point totals here, 25 and 22. I mean, do you want to, th- I, there's a world, there's a world where this is actually a shootout that you didn't expect because Pitt's offense has been really good. Maybe they actually get over on Clemson a little bit in the passing game requires Clemson to, you know, keep being aggressive. Um, If you're going to beat Pittsburgh's defense, I think you do it through the air, um, not on the ground. So there's a story here. I'm not going to do it, you know, other than a one-off GPP just for giggles. Uh, I think there's a story here where like Pittsburgh's offense is better than we want to give them credit for. And they actually like challenged Clemson and Clemson has to then challenge back. And it does go back and forth a little bit. I don't think that's crazy. Like it could, is it, it could as crazy as, as Bo Nix and, and KJ Jefferson winning a GPP. Yes. <laughs> well, that BG, has been that bad. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, it could, listen, it could happen. It could happen. We, right, don't, close, we don't know anything. Close this out with uh, Minnesota and Maryland. Yeah, the Gophers are favored here. I mean, Maryland's just been beat down with injuries, right? They just lost Deshaun Jones after they lost Dante Demas. Their wide receiver core is basically down to Rakeem Jarrett and a bunch of scrubs. Minnesota's bounced back from their loss, especially um, in the last couple of weeks. They had they had that really tough, like really really tough, embarrassing, like program defeating loss against Bowling, Bowling Green. Green. Right? Oh, just yeah, it's just awful, right? But they they bounced back and they've actually been pretty good the last couple of games. Maryland has not. Ever since the Iowa game where Demas went down, Maryland's kind of sputtering. Um, the total here is 55 and a half, which on a normal slate we would kind of be grossed out by, but it's fifth on this slate. So, and then there's a couple options here, but nothing too sexy. It's just a, like a run of the mill, like big 10 game, to be honest. Yeah. I always, I'm kind of interested in Maryland, although their run defense is pretty good this year, but their past defense is bad. Minnesota past offense is kind of bad but like decent yards per attempt i just think they don't attempt a lot of passes they want to run the ball um there's an interesting we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this game I, I i'm not totally off it um all right so moving on to actual players number one you know the elephant in the room what is going on with matt corral um we don't know uh you know the lane kiffin's been hiding you know keeping the cards close to the vest said he was uh in a lot of pain and we really don't know i guess if what what are you doing with this like if he plays are you are you in at 10-2 because 
What if he plays but doesn't run 20 times? That pass offense has not quite been the same without Elijah Moore. Yeah, so I don't think he's going to play. Based on everything Kiffin has said this week, it sounds like Corral's pretty hurt. And this is I don't think this is a game where they need him, right? Like, LSU beat Florida last week, but they're not that good. Like, they don't – they probably can't challenge Ole Miss offensively to the point where – they're worried about Corral. I, I just, I don't think he'll play this week, but if he does, like you said, he he's hurt and he's probably limited rushing, which takes away a lot of his upside. I, I'm, I'm not really about Corral this week, even though I don't think he's going to play. If he does, he's probably not a guy on my radar. Yeah. Okay. So then if he doesn't play, I thought the backup was Luke Altmeyer, but it looks like the second most expensive QB is this Kincaid Dent, who I know nothing it's gonna about. It's going to be Altmeyer. It, Altmeyer came in for him. I think it's going to be Altmeyer. Altmeyer is the stone man for quarterbacks, which is 4,500. He's a stone. So why is that other guy in there? I don't know. This that that's. I think that's a case of DraftKings not understanding, to, to be oh, honest. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and, and so I, I think it's going to be Altmeyer. Because Altmeyer was it has been the two, so and he's a true freshman. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Altmeyer, Altmeyer is a true freshman this year, and I think. I mean, you got to play him, right? I mean, if he's yeah, going to start, you have to. Yeah, I mean, he'll be like sixty percent in a tournament, I would imagine, and maybe more in cash if he's full on starter. And it, there's not. You know, some if if it's just yes, he is the starter, and there's not some like you know iffiness. I think we're good there. Yeah, no brainer. All yeah, right, that that's a situation to pay attention to this weekend. Um, depending on how Corral looks, if he plays, I'm not playing him. If he doesn't play, I'm probably going Altmeyer. Yeah, I mean, I you were all over Altmeyer. Okay. That doesn't take a lot of sound analysis. That's just the way it is. If you if you hear that Altmaier is starting, you play Altmaier at 4,500. There's no question. Caleb Williams, 9,800. Did not take long for this true freshman to be, you know, a stud for fantasy. I think he had 50 points last week. Um, he's everything you want. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's everything you want. He's What's his name? Lincoln Riley's quarterback. He runs the ball. He's giving you dual threat. He's going to give you 50-plus on the ground, uh, maybe a touchdown. He's going to throw for 250-plus. Like, it's everything you want. He has now started – I guess it was his only start, and he had 40 points, not 50. But he had 31 points coming in at basically halftime against uh, Texas. So, 9,800, but it's Kansas – I'm still interested because they're going to play him. They need, he needs reps. This is now their quarterback for their championship run. I don't think they pull him too early. I mean, they may pull him midway through the fourth, but it's not going to be like a mid third quarter when they're up 42, nothing they're going to play. Yeah, Yeah, it it will be. And I actually really like cable Caleb Williams this week. And I like him over corral. um, If corral plays, Remember that game earlier this season against Western Carolina where Spencer Rattler basically came in and threw like 275 and five. That's yeah. basically that's that's basically the floor of expectations for Caleb Williams because Caleb Williams is probably going to rush for a touchdown. He's gonna run more, yep. 
Yeah, so so I, I am totally content playing him this week, but I'm also content knowing that he's probably going to be pulled if not at halftime in, in the middle of third quarter, and that's fine because I think they'll be up because of him. And I, I think that that's – we talked about this before, right? Like in high spreads, a lot of the time the superstar players are the ones who cause that spread to be high, so it's not necessarily advantageous to fade them even though they might be out of the game. It's – a lot of the times it's – them contributing to that blowout and so you're getting a lot of value there yeah i mean i think i'm in on caleb williams um it's a cake i mean we know that kansas is an absolute cakewalk uh spencer rattler we used to talk about him desmond ritter since at navy i know you're generally out on ritter i think i am too like he just hasn't been a fantasy stud this year he's still not cheap 8900 um and he hasn't given us – I mean, his max looks like about 27 points. He's just not going nuts. He doesn't need to. With their nope. defense, their run game, I mean, he does not need to go nuts. Yeah, they're feeding Jerome Ford. I really have no interest in in Ritter this week. I haven't really liked him all year because I think he's been overpriced. And I think that's the same case this week. I think Ford is the one you want to play really on this team if you're if you're playing Cincinnati, which I think you should. I just don't think it's a Ritter game, and I, I'm not sure it's going to be a Ritter game for uh, until maybe we get to bowl season or we get to the college football playoff, depending on if playoff Cincinnati season. makes it. I mean, it, it's just not. It's just not. This Ritter just has, doesn't have to do a lot, and they're content yeah. giving forward the ball, and he he's excelling. He's doing great. Yeah, uh, Pickett for Pittsburgh. We already talked about that game. Should be fairly low uh, scoring. Okay, in a tournament, I'm not opposed to kind of like kind of stacking this game, like maybe picking either him or a DJU and a and a receiver from to match with the quarterback and then a run back receiver. I'm not saying do it with any kind of legitimate funds, but I think I may I may try like a small tournament, a small cost tournament, just because there's a chance, like I already outlined before, but otherwise. We're staying away from this game. DTR, UCLA at Oregon. We haven't had uh, uh, UCLA really or Oregon on a main slate in a while. So this is an interesting team to talk about. I feel like we haven't really touched on these players. DTR is a nice dual threat. Uh, You know, probably a 20.4. Definitely has a 30-point ceiling. Uh, What do you you think about him with Oregon? This total feels really high, like 60 and a half feels more than I would expect for this kind of game. I don't, I don't just don't yeah, trust I him. Like, I don't think he's very good. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's looked good this season. Like, I think he's struggled in a lot of key areas. He is averaging 24 points a game, but I mean, I don't think that's a solid 24. I think Oregon's defense is pretty good. I mean, they're good in explosive pass rate. They're only allowing 11.5% explosive pass rate. Um, their rush rate is good, and that that's kind of his bread and butter. And I, I'm not sure if he's 100% healthy. I think he is probably getting on the way there, but he's been hurt, and he's been beat up. So DTR is not a guy that I'm targeting this week. I just don't trust him in this match. I don't trust him, period, but I definitely don't trust him in this matchup. Okay. Sounds good. I mean, I think I agree with you. I, I agree that total feels high. I haven't really done a deep dive into that game just yet from a from a betting angle. 
Um, but it does feel a little bit high. And UCLA wants to run the ball. I mean, explosive pass rate probably doesn't really matter that much in this matchup. Um, okay. And, you know, then we got Ant- Anthony Brown. We hate Anthony. I mean, he's probably a really nice guy. We do not Hell like him no. at all. Hartman, Wake Forest. I mean, we're getting down here. I'm not interested. Um we got to talk about if we had done graphics, he would absolutely be a bargain bin guy that we like. Um, I think he's just straight up mispriced. Skylar Thompson for Kansas State comes in at 6K uh, against a pretty blah Texas Tech defense. And I think even against a medium defense, his, he's going to give you 20-ish points. I mean, they should not have priced him at 6K. He's he's like a lock for 3X, which you cannot say about every quarterback. I'd say he's a lock for 3X with easily 4 5X potential. You don't get that very often. Yeah, I am all in on Skylar Thompson this week. Um, I think when we were texting about, you know, the slate and we were, we were talking about who we liked and who we didn't like, that was the first name that we brought up. As, as someone that we had to target because he was just so goddamn cheap. And um, the other side of this game is is also interesting as well, Henry Columbia. So he actually got really unlucky last week. So Texas Tech scored four rushing touchdowns, but Columbia was really solid in, in that game, and he was really solid when he came in and replaced him with Tyler Shuck. He's 6,300, and I actually think this is a – interesting stat game because i project this game to be higher than the 16 and a half team the point total which is still third on the slate regardless i'm interested in both quarterbacks under 6300 i'm especially interested in thompson i think thompson is a better play but i also do really like columbia because i think columbia's mispriced based on bad luck last week more than his play because his play was pretty good and so I, i like both guys Actually, like quite a bit. I, I think you could play either with the guy like Caleb Williams, who who I think we both like. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to need a little savings if you go all the way up to Caleb Williams. But yeah, both those quarterbacks in that game feel uh, like a pretty pretty easy um, easy play. The only thing is, I, Kansas State's defense is is I think generally better i mean i guess they're not very good against the pass they're pretty good against the run but yeah columbia may have to pass a little bit more so i'm with you there um anybody else i mean obviously we already talked about if altmeyer plays um but i think that's about it yeah yeah all my altmeyer's one i think max johnson is a guy that i kind of have some interest in true like he's he's 7200 but that the the omis defense is really bad um, so I, I like him. I think there's some stack potential in that game. A lot of it's going to come down to whether or not Corral plays though, to be honest, because it just might not be that high scoring if he doesn't play, which means that Johnson doesn't have to play catch up the whole game. So mm. it's just, it, it's very Corral dependent in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. Okay, moving on to running backs. Uh, we've got Brees Hall at the top, 9,400. Uh, we've already said we don't love the game flow of this thing. Brees Hall, though, like, 
he's a little Bijan esque in the sense that he's he is kind of matchup proof. I mean, he has been held in some matchups. He does have bust potential. I think he's got more bust potential than Bijan does. But you know, he went for th- like like 200 total yards and three touchdowns against Baylor, who has a pretty good defense. Uh, I feel like a defense that's comparable to Iowa State. I don't know if you agree with me on that. I think he's in play. I just I don't know if I'm gonna do it with Brees Hall. I don't think he's a complete stay away though. Yeah, he's not a target for me. Oklahoma State ranks um they rank 22nd in explosive rush rate at 13.7%. They are only lying three yards per carry. I mean, Bijan ran over them, but I don't think Iowa State's line is as good as Texas's. And te- I don't think Texas has like a great offensive line or, or anything, but Iowa State has been bad this year. We saw we've seen Brees Hall struggle in a couple matchups. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think this is a game where I'm definitely not targeting. If Brees Hall was like two thousand dollars cheaper, I'd be like, okay, we could play Brees Hall. But he's way overpriced to me, given the the state of this matchup. I think you're probably right there. Kennedy Brooks, Oklahoma Sooners. He's really emerged. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought it would be our gray this year, myself included. But Kennedy Brooks now is back-to-back games with, uh, you know, 27 and then 21 touches. Um, if they're going to continue to rely on him, it's Kansas. But he's 8,600, and I don't know if I trust him to get 20 touches in this game. Man, I'm so I like him, but not that not 8,600 like him. Yeah. Right, like well, I mean, it's the, the same thing, thing I think you do run the risk of like 15 carries for 85 yards, which would be great. I mean, on a yards per carry, like he's, he's going to smash, but you may only get 15 for 85 and like one touchdown. Which for 8600, I'm not sure that's what you're looking for. No, I I agree with that. I don't think he's a priority target. This might be a game where they want to get Eric Gray some run because like I, they'll be they'll be up or. I mean, I don't or, know. I, mean, right I just now. think, yeah. If we're, if I mean, I'm obviously not getting paid millions of dollars to coach the Sooners, but if it's me, I am running my entire playbook through Caleb Williams. This is essentially a glorified scrimmage. I want him to get as much run as he possibly can. I do not want him to just hand the ball off because we're going to need him to actually like know game script and plays and all this stuff. Uh, when we're going to be playing like Big 12 championship, when we're going to be playing, um, you know, the playoff potentially. Big 12 still has a championship, right? Or no? Um, who knows? I mean, their conference is broken anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think we've, we've already touched on Cincy's running game. I think we like Jerome Ford. Uh, you know, he's been smashing of late back-to-back games, 32 and then 49 points against UCF. I feel like he probably there's really no reason to think he won't. And you get a tremendous discount. I mean, I think Jerome Ford and Kennedy Brooks, you're getting $300 off. And I think the potential touch load production is probably similar. Yep. I don't have, I honestly don't have much to add. I, I think that he's a very solid option this week. Navy's rush defense is okay, but Ford has been so solid and they're projected for a high team total that he'll get a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Warren, he continued his streak of 30 touches, 30 touches per game over the last three weeks, uh, which is absolutely insane. 
at 8K, I mean, I just, it's hard to fade that volume and you're not even really paying a premium, although it is a tough, tough matchup against Iowa State. I still think Oklahoma State, this is all they can really do on offense. They're going to give it to Warren. They're going to throw it to Warren. I don't hate it, but I, I like some other plays better, I think. Yeah, I'm not crazy about this. Iowa State's really like a top 10, top 15 rush defense. Um, yep. I think the it kind of stops there with Warren's productivity, but I don't think you have to fade him. I just, I'm not crazy about starting him to, and like plugging him in at 8K. I think that's a little pricey, to be honest. All right. Uh, let's see. Deuce Vaughn. I, I mean, I like him like I like Skylar Thompson, although you're not getting a tremendous discount on Vaughn at 7,700. Um, but he's like their guy. I mean, he's going to get 15, 15 carries. He's going to get three to five receptions. You know, it's just that's how it's going to go for Deuce Vaughn. And he's a great player. He's a very fun player. Um, the touchdown equity would be my concern in terms of ceiling. Well, I love Deuce this week. The Deuce, this is the week that the Deuce is loose, I'm telling you. So he's averaging 26 uh, weighted opportunities, which I talk about each week at, in terms of I weight targets heavier than I do rush attempts. And he's averaging 18 rush attempts. He's averaging 5.5 targets. He's really the engine that keeps that offense going. And I think that this is going to be a high scoring game. And if that's true, I think he's going to have a big target share outside of the backfield. He's he already has a 23.1% target share on this season um, yeah. per game. So it's not like he's not involved. I think he's actually discounted more than he should be in this matchup. And I do spot my people, my favorite running back play in this range. And, and probably within like a couple thousand dollars too. I, I really, really like Deuce Vaughn this week. I think this is a great opportunity for him. And I think it's a great matchup for him. Even if he doesn't score like two touchdowns, I think he's probably going to get one. And he's already already averaging 25 points anyway in DraftKings. I think that that'll play at his price point of 7.7 regardless. Yeah, those are all really good points. Um I, uh, you know, here's an interesting thing too, for like tournament different being different in a tournament, stacking the running back with Skyler Thompson and hoping obviously that you get a double dip, you know, Deuce Vaughn receiving touchdown from Thompson. I, I think that's in play as well. Yeah. I think, I think that's an interesting way to play it. And I, I actually don't, I actually really like that. I, well, yeah, I, I, I can't say he's undervalued. You'll be pretty okay. different. Um, yeah. I agree with you. You mentioned Michigan. I feel like we got to touch on Blake Corum. He's been very good this year, but um, I just, Michigan, just, I don't know if I can do it, man. Are you going to play Blake Corum? Like, he doesn't have the opportunities that Deuce Vaughn does. He's a similar player. I think his, like, average scoring is still relying on the first two or the game two and game three where he had three touchdowns each. Since then, he's scored one total touchdown over the next three weeks. Uh, he's not their short yardage touchdown guy. You're going to have to get a long one. I don't love it. I will not play Blake Corum. Okay. But I will play a little bit of a Hassan Haskins. I mean, yeah, Northwestern is all uncharacteristically terrible on defense. But um, yeah. I, uh, think, I mean, I think Hassan Haskins is interesting, right? Like, I will not play Corum because he's six hundred dollars more than Haskins, 
but Haskins is leading in terms of rushing share. And he's not, I mean, he's not getting the same target share. I mean, Corm's getting a couple more targets per game, but this is a team that's ranked like bottom 15 in rushing. So I, I, I'm cool to play Haskins at 6,500. I actually think he's a fairly interesting value. Yeah. He probably needs to get two short yardage touchdowns or something. He did that against Nebraska though. Um, let's see Tyrion david price Tyrion davis price are you interested he's really come on lately 22 carries for 147 and then of course against my florida gators i don't really want to remember but he did go 36 for 287 and three he had a 50 burger while 49 uh are you going back to that well i mean it seems like they've settled on him as the guy that that backfield has been very volatile but if they're gonna give him 25 touches are you interested he's not gonna get a lot of receptions i just don't know if i trust him yet to be honest like i don't think he's a good play like i don't think he's very good i don't think he is either i mean 6600 makes him interesting because Ole miss does not have a good rush defense they probably rank well bottom 25 and in terms of like most key rushing statistics so it's not like he's out of play. It's just I don't know that they can rely on him to keep up because last game, LSU kind of controlled it for for a lot of it, right? And so they were able to rely on him. I'm not sure that that's going to be the case here. I'm not sure they're going to be able to to accumulate a lead running the ball like they did last week. I'm mean, probably in, be in catch up mode, and I'm not sure they're going to be be able to rely on Tyrion Davis Price to do that. I think this is a lot more of a Max Johnson scores like four touchdown game than Tyrion Davis Price scores four touchdown game. Yep. That sounds about right. Uh, let's see. Okay. We got to talk about uh, Bryce Williams, the de facto starter for Minnesota, I guess uh, going up against Maryland, who um, is kind of good against the run, I guess, based on their metrics, but he came out his first real start of the year and really, he had only had five carries prior to this for a total of two yards. But then he went 17, 127, and one, including a game icer pretty much long touchdown to get that touchdown in the second half. Willie plays in Bryce Williams at only 5,400. I mean, if we're going to get 15 to 18 carries. I wish I had a strong. I don't want to. Yeah, right? No. I don't have a super strong opinion on him, but 50 or 100 makes me a little bit more interested maybe than I did. Maryland's pretty good against the run, right? Like they're only allowing explosive rush rate of 17.9%. They're only laying 3.5 yards per carry. I think that, and this is more of a split that I really want it to be. And he's been, he was the lead back last week. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of other players were involved, including Kai Thomas and some other running back that I, I don't even know. Cause I didn't even know Bryce Williams name until Sunday. I didn't um, either. And, and so it's just like, it's just a kind of weird situation. And I, I do think he's probably the lead back and they are favored by five. I just not sure. I trust that situation yet. And maybe everybody else doesn't either. And you get a little bit of a value play here and he's picked 400 and, you're not going to get high roster ship, but 
he's not a priority target for me from a production standpoint, but he might be a like a game like a game theory target where a lot of others are fading him and maybe we need to be on him. And that that's kind of the process that I, I, I will probably think through the rest of the week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Henry Parrish continues to be a guy I like. I mean, I was, I liked him better when he was like down in the fours. Uh, he's gotten up to 5,300, but he's seeing, t- you know, you can count on double digit carries. You can count on, you know, three to five receptions, I think, which is a nice usage for 5,300. Um, you know, when you talk about weighted opportunities, probably similar to Bryce Williams, who we just liked for 5,400, but Parrish doesn't get as many carries. He's going to get more receptions. We like that. Um, you know, then uh, we go down. I don't know. Is there any super cheap, like any $3,000 guys you like, uh, Chris, this week? I think you're muted. Thank you. You know, I like Kevon Lee. Yeah. Uh, Penn State. So he actually led the team in rushing attempts when they played at Iowa. And it's it's a shame that they, they lost to Iowa, right? Sean Clifford went out and they just couldn't get anything going afterwards. But he had more touches than Kane in that game. I think he may have surpassed him as the lead back. Illinois ranks 104th in terms of rush in defensive success, success rate against the run and 116th uh versus the pass and but i don't think taekwon robertson robertson is any good right mm-hmm. so i think they're, they're gonna rely on their rushing game. the ball they are gonna have to pound the ball yeah and so i think lee may have overtaken kane and even if he didn't and they say like a 50 50 split like i love him at 3300 like i think that's such a crazy discounted price yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'm actually in, uh, funny enough, like a Big Ten only season long college football league, which is kind of a weird thing to say. Um, due to some injuries and buys, I'm starting Kevon Lee this week. And I mean, I have to say, I'm thankful this is the week that I'm forced into it because I like it too. Um, you know, I think even, like you said, even if it's a 50 50 split, I think you could see 30 rushing attempts uh, between the two backs. Uh, he catches one you know, he'll catch a couple of passes potentially. And I think he's, he's really big dude. I mean, he's like 230 pounds or something like that. So I think if they get, you know, one yard in, he's going to be their goal line back. I like it. 3,300 super cheap. If you need the savings, I'm in on that. That is a good call. And with that, we'll turn the page to wide receivers. We talked a little bit about, I mean, Ole Miss is, is such a murky situation, but right now Drummond is out for me at 7,800. And for to be totally honest with you, like he's not, I mean, receptions in the last three games, two, two, four, five in the last four games. Uh, it, you know, we thought he was going to be like Eli Moore light, but he really hasn't been. Uh, and they've been spreading the ball around. And then like we've talked about, Crowell's just been running a lot. So I don't think he's worth – I don't think he's justified for the most expensive receiver on the slate. He He's not. He's overpriced this week. I He is running the most routes, and he is the wide receiver one. I just – I'm not crazy about his price point because I think there's other – we're assuming Corral plays, right? And he, even if he doesn't, I think we still kind of like Altmaier to, to kind of be some of the wide receivers. So let, let's assume, right? He's not my favorite play, especially if Corral's not playing. I think there are better options on this team at different price points. 
Yeah, I mean, especially if Crow's not playing, you can't play Drummond. Uh, David Bell is a total stud. I mean, let's just let's just reminisce a little bit about what he did against a formerly excellent defense, Iowa. He laid waste to them, eleven receptions, two hundred and forty yards, and a touchdown. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, is he going to do it again versus another very good defense? I don't think I want to bet on it, but I wouldn't hate you if you did. Yeah, I, I faded Bell last week a lot. Well, I think everybody honest. did. I can't imagine anybody play like, I mean, you might yeah. have been 3% rostered. I can't imagine it was much. Yeah, it, it was a mistake because I kind of underrated how bad the injuries were to the Iowa secondary. Yeah. But I'm not sure I'm going to make that same mis- mistake this week. I think, based on what I know about the situation in Wisconsin and that their their pass defense is still very solid, I think I'm going to avoid him again. And I, I don't like that he's 7,600. If he was a little bit cheaper, I'd probably be more interested because he has 23 targets in his last two games. He's obviously the, the wide receiver one there. He's just so fantastic. But I don't love it. I'm probably not playing him in, in a lot of lineups. Maybe a few, but not a lot. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about the Clemson-Pitt game. I think it's tournament only, uh, and I wouldn't even do a lot in a tournament if you just want to do one. And if you are if you did want to do one game stack just to see, um, you know, Addison would probably be the guy, but can't really justify 7,500, I don't think. No. Marvin Mims, we can't do it. We just can't do it. I can do it. I mean, are you? Because, I mean, if I do Caleb Williams, I'm thinking of of Caleb Williams just solo. So here's the thing about this this slate. This slate is disgusting. Like, it is a gross slate, and there's not a lot of places to pay up on this slate, right? Like, we like Caleb Williams in the high end, but we like a lot of the low-end quarterback values. We like a couple high-end running backs, but we like Keevan Lee, a salary saver. There's a lot of salary-slaving wide receivers, so I'm okay taking the um, the shot on Marvin Mims this week because I think that he and Caleb Williams have been okay together, right? Like Caleb, Caleb Williams kind of gets that he's the one, and when we saw him come in against Texas, he he targeted him pretty heavily. He went nuts, yeah. So I'm I'm not I'm not fading him. I mean, I'm not necessarily targeting him heavily, but I'm definitely not fading him. And I, I think you can absolutely play him because I think you're going to have the space to in your lineups this week. And so that's yeah. my thought on him. It's hard. I mean, Caleb definitely uh, featured him in against Texas. He spread the ball around a little bit more and threw to like three touchdown passes to Hazelwood last week. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the narrative is Mims is the best player on this team. Uh, or I think, well, Caleb Williams might be, but I think he's the best receiver on the team. And so, uh, in a game against Kansas, I could do, I could do it. Uh, I was thinking of kind of a solo Caleb Williams as well, but but I think that makes some sense too. Um, I don't want Dotson. Do you want Dotson? Uh, not if Sean Clifford doesn't play, which I don't think it's. Oh, like that's right. Play. Yeah, you can't. That other guy yeah. can't. Has no no throwing. Yeah. Acumen. Um. Okay. I like Altman Bell for Minnesota. Your handy dandy sheet. 
Uh, thank you again for doing this for us every week. Points out, though, that Ottman Bell is getting 32% of Minnesota's targets. Um, you know, he's just dominating the market share, basically. And I think if they're going to get over on Maryland, like you said, Maryland's got a pretty good run defense. They're going to do it a little bit through the air. I don't hate this play. Probably won't be very highly popular. 6,200 for a receiver. I find myself, I did do a mock lineup already, and I found myself hanging out in the 66,000 range for wide receivers. I I actually like that play. I, I like I like him as well. He, he has 18 targets in his last three games, and nobody else has more than eight. So he's obviously the he's obviously the one there, right? And I'm ready to just admit that he's kind of operating in that Rashad Bateman, Tyler Johnson, like wide receiver one role. And, and so I really like him this week as well. It, you know, Maryland's allowing a 22.4% pass rate. Not that I think Tanner Morgan is some stud quarterback. He's actually priced down to 5,500, which we didn't talk about earlier, but I think they kind didn't of talk about that. That's, that's kind of puts him in play. I don't love it, but it's, it's very, very gross, but you could do it. But I think Chris, Chris Oman Bell, because of Maryland's struggles in the past game, definitely has an opportunity to um, hit at least three X as a wide receiver, which is, is kind of what you're asking for at 6,200. So I like that. Okay. You know, I think Rakeem Jarrett's in play, same game, just because he's like the only athlete standing uh, on that team almost. And then go, go deeper. I mean, you said, you said you have some, um, you know, bargain, Bargain receivers. How how low can you go? 4,000? Is there anybody in the 3,000s? So I'll, I'll highlight a couple guys I, I like in the mid-tier first. So I like – so I, I he's elevated because he did score three touchdowns last week, but I still like Jadon Hazelwood. I actually think he's a little bit undervalued. He leads the team over the last three weeks in terms of target share, and actually on the entire season he's averaging 5.7 targets. He has 16 targets in his last three games, which is more than Mims, more than Mario Williams. 5,400 is an interesting price point for him, and I know it's probably elevated due to his touchdowns. I'm not sure I particularly care. I, I think that's pretty interesting considering how much they'll score against Kansas. The other one is Kalen Geiger. I think that that game is going to be fairly high scoring. I yeah. think, um, you know, he had, as a comma missed um, – a game, but in the last three weeks, Geiger has 19 targets. He leads the team in routes run. He has 14.5, uh, 14.6 points per game. I, I, I like that. Assuming that that game is going over, I think he's a pretty good value. And then I also like Jack Beck, 5,200 for LSU. He's kind of become the alpha there, weirdly, with Keishon Boutte going down. Um, 22 targets in his last three games. He's definitely outpacing pretty much anyone else there. That's kind of my, my mid-range. Do you have anyone that you, anyone else you like in that mid-range before we go down to like some real salary savers? I think that's about it. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm good. Not necessarily mentioning anybody else in that area. All right. So, so I, I I'll go. So I actually think this is the week to save on wide receiver. And so, a little bit deeper, 
Philip Brooks for Kansas State, right? So he's averaging. You, uh, you I mean, everyone listening to the show, find someone who loves you as much, Chris, as much as Chris loves secondary receiving options for. Well, actually, you know what? It's TCU that you really love. They're both purple. I love it. Well, secondary op- secondary receiving options on any team that are undervalued in DFS. Yeah. That, Sorry, that, I I, that, I blew that. I meant Texas Chris, TCU is what you really like. <laughs> to be fair, I don't really know what Philip Brooks' role is outside of that. He leads the team in targets in the last three games, and it leads the team in terms of targets per game at five. Um, he's only forty four hundred. He's actually cheaper than Malik Knowles, which is surprising to me because he is running a little bit more routes and he's operating as the one. So I, I like Philip Brooks, even though he's playing the slot a lot. And again, if we're assuming the game's to be high scoring, then we, we, we like him there. Uh, I also like Greg Dulcich. He's only 4,400 this week. He's been a little bit disappointing this year um, in the last few games, but he is still at, he is still leading that team in targets at, at, um, in the, over the last three weeks at 17 He's running the most routes of anyone as a tight end, which is awesome. I, I I think Oregon is a fairly interesting matchup for them. They're not super great against their pass. They're good, but I think Dulcich is an area that they can exploit because they don't really have anybody that's super scary in the intermediate part of the field. And the final one I like, and he was a guy we really liked the last week, and he actually had 70 oh. plus yard touchdown callback. Is they're Brian gonna, they're gonna take my guy. Who is that? Brian Thomas? Oh, no, no, no. I got another guy for everybody. You you tell so, me about Brian Thomas, yeah. So Brian Thomas is second on the team targets. And I'm just, this is assuming that he's playing, right? He had to leave at halftime last week. He's got yeah, a cue. So we're, 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 this is assuming that we're going to get him back this week. Um, He's only 4K. He had a 70-yard touchdown callback, which was a huge killer to a lot of lineups that I had. He's definitely the second guy there currently. So if we can get Brian Thomas healthy this week and into lineups, I love him at 4K because I think that game is going to be really high scoring. It's already 76. Does it get to 76? I don't know, but it's already first on the slate and by a wide margin. So Brian Thomas, I think, is my favorite target for LSU in that game, especially if we're going to pair him with Mac Johnson. Yeah, I like Thomas. I mean, neighbors, we we played him some last week. I, I don't think you can go wrong because you really don't know who's going to pop out of this, you know, this stew of wide receiver twos and threes for LSU. Uh, but I don't mind neighbors at 3,700. And then my guy, I'm going to go back to the well here, um, is um, – I want to get his name right before I sound like a total idiot. But it's uh, – I think he's 3,300 again. He's the – the oh yeah, Jacor Pearson for Ole Miss. Um, you know I targeted him last week. He went two for twenty. Uh, I think he went two for twenty. And the week before he was two for twelve and had two rushing yard rushing attempts. He's actually had four rushing attempts in the past five games, so he's getting a little extra bump there. But here's the thing: he is a he is a bona fide like under the radar breakout candidate he is seeing um 81 routes run in the last three weeks that's second to Ontario Drummond more than Braylon Sanders more 
three times as much almost as Chase Rogers, their tight end, all of whom are more expensive by a good margin than Pearson. Um, I mean, you know, eight targets. I just, he's so inexpensive in a game that could go crazy and all it needs, you just need that one. You need one for 60 and a touchdown uh, and then maybe sprinkle in a couple more touches. And that is going to be a huge payday for you. Uh, I will keep rolling him out at 3,200. I like that as well. I, I think you basically hit the nail on the head with him. I, I, I think he's due, basically. He has to be due, yes. I mean, he's seeing a good amount of usage. The usage is exactly what we want. Um, and no, I mean, he's going to be, again, like 2%, 3% like he was last week. Um all right, that's like scraping the bottom of the barrel. I mean, 3200 you can't get much cheaper than that. Do you have anybody else in that three range? Not really. I I, I think this is a, honestly like a, a bad week. The last guy that I, I, I will add, and this is like really, really weird, and I will play him in a one-off pretty much is the only way that I will end up playing him is Ajo Ajo for Clemson. Uh so he had 40 route, his 40 route, he's at, well, he's averaging 40 routes, I should say. Over the last three games, he only is averaging, or only has two targets, but he's operating as the wide receiver three there, and they're running a lot of three wide receiver sets. So I don't hate that, but that is a maybe you get like 30 yards and a touchdown play at. 3k that's not like a high high ceiling play but it is enough to pay off there and i, I think it's interesting because i don't think Pitt is like some like world beater passing defense i guess yeah yeah i mean i i was actually looking at him too he's just not quite getting the use that i would want but i agree i mean you can make that argument um all right well that's it for me uh we got in still didn't get under an hour we can't quite get under an hour but <laughs> Uh, nevertheless, uh, I am Alfred at Alfred JF on Twitter. Follow us. We'll also be back on Saturday morning uh, talking about th- any changes to the things that we said today based on injuries and updates. Um, we'll be talking about bets. We'll be talking about prize picks. Uh, be sure and hit us up on the tailgate. And uh, Chris, I hope your Braves, they don't play tonight, do they? Uh, they're, you know, they're already leading five zero. Oh, oh, going up three one. So I know you're wearing those pearls for Jock Peterson. If no one's following that story, it's pretty funny. But um, yeah, so for, for Chris, I'm Alfred. This has been Why Wait Till Sunday.